This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Tired of tuning into negative news? Well, get your week off to the right start with the Happy Broadcast. Let's help you focus on the positive things happening in our world. Each episode will feature positive news, some mental health tips, and we'll hear from our Happy Broadcast community about what makes them happy. The podcast is hosted by me, Amy O'Dwyer, in collaboration with Mauro Gatti and his popular social channel, The Happy Broadcast. Episodes are out every Monday and you can listen and subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Let's help spread some positivity. Paul Webster. Paul Webster. How you doing? In the flesh. There you are now. How's it going? Uh, very good. We're in the studio. <laughs> Uh, distance from each other. We have a very big studio here in the podcast studio. We couldn't be any um, further away from each other, but together at the same time. Um, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, it's great to be back in the in the studio today. Uh, we've been kind of doing our solo runs for for the last while. Oh God, due yeah. to necessity, um, recording from home and stuff like that. So yeah, nice to get in um, and we have a brilliant brilliant discussion today with the organisers of the Dublin International Screenwriting Festival the inaugural DISF 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 um, D-I-S-F yeah and .ie you will get all the details there so we have Gavin Ryan and Daniel Hegarty um, so Gavin Ryan is a, is a uh, an old friend of mine and Paul you know him as well he's a mm-hmm. great guy uh, writer um, I worked with him on Fair City and so we go back a bit and it was really nice to have him on and uh, together with Daniel Hegarty who's a fantastic producer and I've seen a lot of a lot of the stuff that he's worked on over the years and we kind of crossed paths uh, a little bit over the years so it was great to actually sit down and talk with him and we're so into this thing that they're doing <laughs> yeah it's it's this it's a bit cultish it's a bit over the, <laughs> no it's just it's just a no-brainer it's one of those no-brainer things where you're like okay why how does this not exist already yeah you know, yeah um, in this country um they, they've smashed it in terms of putting together the program for screenwriting festival in ireland they've absolutely smashed it so they have um one-on-one talks with Stuart carlin of love hate roddy doyle Lisa McGee, the writer of Derry Girls and Cato Reardon, um, the writer of the recent hit, an ongoing hit, Smother. Smother. Yeah, and it's sponsored by Screen Skills Ireland and uh, Griffith College, and it will be taking place from the 19th. The 23rd of April. Yeah, all online this year, and hopefully ongoing, it will be in person next year with a, with an online element as well. Um, some brilliant panels. There's a yeah, there's one. Yeah, there's some sessions here that you really shouldn't miss. I mean, there's anima, there's an animation panel, um, with some people, some incredible people from Cartoon Saloon, uh, Nuri Blanco, um, D. Roycroft will be there. Some uh, any fans of the show will know some of the people that are taking part. Um, Mary Kato Flanagan, who also gave a wonderful screenwriting class, um, also with Screen Skills with us, um, a couple of months ago. Um, some incredible people given their time um, working on this brilliant, as I said, no-brainer initiative. For all types of writing. So there's a documentary panel, writing for documentary, mm-hmm. writing for games. There's a diversity panel um, and there's networking opportunities as well. So 
as we said, disf.ie, check it out um, and get involved. It's all free as well. Uh, and if you, I, they're encouraging to, um, there's a couple of charity uh, partners. Yeah, so for each on for each uh, session, um, there will be a charity partner. So um, it's incredibly valuable just because uh, there's there, there are pockets of funding for initiatives all across the audiovisual sector recently over the kind of last year. Um, they are incredible value for like even though they are free, they're incredibly valuable. We cannot encourage people enough to sign up for this stuff. You get you're granted access to people that you wouldn't normally get due to, uh, to frankly horrible circumstances we're all in so please take advantage of that yeah so um yeah that's it uh any other news from you paul uh in general um not really i'm doing a lot of shopping in little and uh tesco uh no but all good uh fni related news uh there's a few bits coming along keep an eye on um um our social networks um for kind of announcements over the next couple of weeks where we will be launching a very interesting mentorship program uh in conjunction with buy me a coffee so if you go to buy www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash fni uh we'll be we will be rolling out a mentorship scheme with uh, scheme with some incredible people who are so fluky um obviously you'll have access to some of our, our team that works for fni but also some really frankly unbelievable people that will be joining in and lending their support to help fni grow and uh, so we're really excited about that um again if you'd like to support us you can head over to the website and have a look as well uh, have, have a look as well we are fni.com brilliant let's go to the conversation with gavin ryan and daniel Socially distanced, all spread out, six feet away from each other. Um, we are here with myself, Paul Webster, Paul Butler Lennox, and we have Gavin Ryan and Daniel Hergerty of the Dublin International Screenwriting Festival. How are you guys doing? Are you? Is it DISF or this? What what like what's the cool abbreviation kids will be using on street corners when oh. they're selling their DVDs or whatever? I, I was on the corner today in Moore Street, and lads were going, "Are you going to DISF?" You're going to Dissif. So. Dissif Festival. Dissif. You dissif in me. Yeah, there you go. Dissif. I mean, to be Dissif respectful about the whole thing. Um, well done, by the way. Uh, seems like an incredible uh, initiative um, and well overdue. It seems like, a, like an obvious thing. Bit nuts, isn't it? Like when Gavin said, you know, there's no actual festival dedicated to screenwriting. I had to take a double take. What? Really? Yeah, we should do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> and here we are someone should do it yeah maybe are. somebody should do that um how did it all come about so <clears throat> the early iterations of this were <clears throat> quite interesting like that um i ended up accidentally as a screenwriter and um i kind of come from different types of writing and in, in other kinds of writing writers are quite writers are quite um highly regarded you know and, and i came into um television and, and film and found you know uh things are slightly different <laughs> things yeah. are slightly different and i thought it was a bit strange um and so um there were lots of things i was trying to do to to see if i could find a way to um 
you know, to start discussions about that, really, because it, it did seem odd. And I've talked to other people um, coming from theatre backgrounds and all that who've moved into film and are, are really kind of surprised at the, the status of the screenwriter in the Irish film and TV industry, you know, and why why we're not kind of maybe recognised as much as, as we might be. So, yeah, no, the idea came from just a, a kind of desire to celebrate screenwriting as craft and maybe create some kind of a hub in Ireland where... Um, Screeners can come together and have to ease up, you know, that everybody else gets to have, you know, an opportunity to kind of go, you know, for a party and encouragement and learn skills and gain knowledge, you know, that we need. Because I think it's an interesting time at the moment because we are we live in this small island and for for years we've been making stories for ourselves, you know, and, and that that paradigm of us writing stories for ourselves has kind of run out. And, and it doesn't really work anymore. The Irish audience is too small. And, and there's a massive log giant in commissioning. And um, so it kind of, if you, I have three kids, you know, like if I want to make a living as a screenwriter and I am aiming to make work for the Irish audience and, and make a living that way, it's kind of a, a zero. It's be a long time waiting to it, make a few quid. It's a zero sum game, and it's nobody's <laughs> fault. It's yeah. just the nature of the fact that now we have all of the channels. We've all Netflix and Disney Plus. And we've all these things, you know, with massive budgets and that kind of stuff. And so it's hard for for us to compete or make anything that's going to attract. It's hard to cut through the noise here, mm. and and that's understandable. And so what we are starting to do, and some writers and producers uh, are starting to go, okay, this is a place we work from. But our audience is abroad. You know, we write here for there. And 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 I think that's a really exciting way of thinking. And it, it t- turns everything around from this idea of scarcity to this idea of abundance, you know, because we're in a gold rush, an absolute gold rush in terms of story, in terms of, you know, look at all the TV series that are being made around the world and the quality of them and how good they are in film and all of this kind of stuff. It's an absolute time gold rush. But if you're living in Ireland, it feels like a complete drought. And, and that's because we're, I think we're looking the wrong way. So because we have the English language, because we have this tradition of storytelling, because we have, you know, um, this traditional culture in, in writing novels, in, in poetry and in playwrights. And, you know, we have obviously we're great storytellers in Ireland. That's, we have that. But I don't think we have managed really to translate that into screenwriting yet. But we have absolutely the potential to do so. And, and I think all it takes is by kind of nurturing that culture so that it becomes a thing that you can do. You know, like in, in America, they study screenplays in school. We don't, we don't do that. You know, places like Fighting Words are doing that now, and you'll see five, ten years from now the result of that. But when we've become more literate about screenwriting, that will help develop that culture around here and our natural kind of the natural storytelling instincts you know that that are associated with this island will translate over into screenplay and we can write you know we can become as famous as screenwriters as we are you know in the 20th century as we were for novelists and poets and playwrights and all of that kind of thing. there's no reason in the world why we Hoorah! can't do that yeah and if you if you look at somebody somewhere like the the scandies you know, they created Borgen, the killing, you know, all of this kind of Scandi Noir stuff. of punching above their weight internationally. Yeah, but yeah. they made stuff that was really, like, it was clearly of its place. You know, they didn't make kind of, you know, bland, generic stuff trying to do Hollywood. They made stuff that was particularly, you know, it was of its place, but it had an international appeal. And we can do that too. And, and I think um, uh, Dairy Girls, there's an example that's so of its place 
you know, but but if you're in America, you know, on Netflix, it's a hit. There's no reason we can't reproduce that. You know, there's no reason. And, and you know, Father Ted might have done it, but it didn't get to the States. We're starting to see uh, other people like Stuart Carlin. Love, hate has been sold in the States. He ended up show running the, uh, the Alienist 2, Angels of Darkness, which is a massive, you know what I mean? That's a massive uh, job. Um, Sharon Horgan, we're starting to see people take that step from writing for an Irish audience to writing for an international audience and competing at the highest level. And as a screenwriter, you know, selfishly, I'd like those opportunities for me too. But unselfishly, I, I see the potential for, an in, for the industry. And I think it's something that it, it's just, it's, it's like the festival, which is such an obvious idea. Why hasn't anyone done it? It's the same thing. Why aren't we turning our attention towards telling our stories to the world and, and in, focusing on the script. Because at the moment, we don't have the budget um, to produce things at the level they do in you know, the States. We don't. I don't you, know, you can see that. Um, but we can write the stories. It doesn't cost any money to do that. We can create the same quality of stories here as, they, as in Hollywood. And so we can compete at that level. And it all starts with the script. Yeah, without doubt. I mean, when you look at normal people, you know, mm. the, the Irish brogue excuse is no longer valid, mm. you know, and we need to have the courage of our convictions to write more universal stories, to continue to write the unique universal stories, but also to have the courage to believe that that story is universal and will ring true in, in any culture. Mm. The, the general and the specific. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think that's like I come at it from a different point of view, from the producer's point of view, obviously being a producer. But um, like normal people is a really good example, because if you look at the sort of the commissioning landscape in Ireland for, say, like the last 50 years. Right, so there's been like, you know, one commissioner, really. And what's that commissioner had to commission? That commissioner had to commission something that distinguishes their output from the UK on one side of us and the US on the other. So we have for many years been, uh, you know, funding inherently parochial stories. And suddenly now we're in this age of mass streaming of programs and the streamers, like everyone, obviously every producer is looking for, you know, that streamer deal now. And what are streamers looking for? Well, they're a new catchphrase like this year. You hear it at every single market now is we want the local story, the local execution of a global story and something like but like this is this is all you hear now from commissioners. Oh, yeah, we want that real local story, but we want it to be for a really general worldwide audience. Mm. And something like normal people is exactly that. Like There he is, like Paul Mescal and his guy shorts and his Goldie chain, you know, and it's a real Irish thing. You know, it's a real Irish sort of yeah. love story. But, you know, it's a it's a very, very Irish execution, but it resonates with a global audience. And so like the timing is perfect, I think, for this. And so for Gavin and I, if we can you know, get this festival, getting this festival off the ground and then harnessing that culture of screenwriting. I think there's a perfect storm of need, you know, for really great stories. And we've got this huge, you know, we've got this huge well of talent in Ireland, the storytellers who just need to become literate in screenwriting as opposed to other types of storytelling, you know. And so that's for most of the, you know, most of the events that we have on the schedule, you know, that's where it's come from. So it's kind of a celebration of Irish writers kind of, putting them up there and also kind of an attempt to change the conversation. But would that be a fair way of putting it? I think that's a really good way of doing it. The, the one thing that the one focus of the festival for me is work. You know, how am I going to get paid? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Because yeah. as a writer, you, you, there's, you know, all sorts of events and they'll, you know, encourage you and give you skills and all of that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, screenwriting isn't, you know, I mean, 
can be a hobby, but for many people, it's a career. And um, it should be treated as such. We should be, you know, treating it as an industry career. These people deserve to be able to make a living and be able to support their families doing this work. So the events are around that. It is like we have funders, you know, and commissioners telling writers what they're looking for. We have producers, you know, going in 2021 in a post-pandemic world. These are the stories we're looking for. We have, you know, um, people from animation, from games, you know, all of these different panels and these different talks. And then we have the likes of Stuart Carlin and um, uh, Kate O'Riordan and Lisa McGee and Roddy Doyle talking about how they got to where they got to. So it's all, you know, focused on creating a bridge from, OK, I'm here. I really want to, I miss, you know, I'm either making some kind of a living as a screenwriter or I'm aspiring to do so to I'm making, I'm thriving, I'm making a great living as a screenwriter, you know, and like the way if you were working in a story room in, in LA, you'd be getting 250 grand a year. You know what I mean? Like there's, I'm not saying that's going to happen next year. That's guaranteed for every participant. <laughs> but, but what's the difference? What is it that they can do that we can't do? I, there's, yeah. there's no reason we don't have the same potential as they do. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, the, 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 at the back of my mind for every event, that's my thought. Yeah. If you look at it, what's the difference is that they've been professionalizing it for much longer. Do you know, and that's really yeah. what yeah. we're trying to do, you yeah. know, is foster talents and create opportunities, you know, or at least present opportunities for people. You could yeah, argue that Irish, Irish writers in particular maybe have a slight advantage in that they're versed in all of the markets from a very early age. You have obviously have the Irish, you know, traditional landscape of, of writing, um, Glenn Rowe inspiring everybody to do better work. Um, the Irish market, the American market, the UK market, and being versed in all of those TV shows and all of that wonderful talent, an abundance of all that talent. Um, so we should be on a stronger footing. We're outward looking and inward looking. Like we yeah, know. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. We, have we an know advantage. English audiences better than they would know Irish audiences. I, yeah, I would I wager. Do, I don't know. I kind of I disagree with that. I think we neglect because of our you know, because of our English language fluency, I think that we neglect our continental audience. And I think probably for European filmmakers, that's where the, the most important audience is. You know, like many years ago, um, politicians decided that we should have a screenwriting industry, you know, and that's why we have a screenwriting. That's why we have a film industry in Europe. It's not because of its commercial viability, far from it. It's because politicians have decided we are going to set up these pan-European projects that are going to fund films and that's what the majority of people working in the screen industries now in Europe make their money from is public funding you know like if you're a producer and you're going to the market and you're looking at okay what are my sources of finance for a project like this you know first you're going to look at your film funds you know in America they're going to look for equity investment you know mm -hmm. private investment to, for a commercial return so I think this sustainability you know, not that it's absolutely and objectively financially sustainable, but I think in terms of the sustainability of the sector of our industry, we really need to become more fluent, more look, you know, more to mm. the continent than we have like to the US naturally. But like, you know, the the ideal scenario is we do both. <laughs> we have our cake and eat it. There's also <clears throat> another avenue that we have um, that that's really important for us to explore. And we have a panel on it. Um, which is opportunities for screen, screenwriters working in the Irish language, and and I think if there's if there is a part of our um, film film and TV industry that is looking towards Europe, it's probably there. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And it's because I suppose in the Anglophone world we're also McDonaldized. You know that kind of McDonaldization of culture, whereas in the Irish language culture that's been resisted because of the barrier 
of the Irish language. And I think uh, Irish language films uh, tend to be much more European, you know, tend yes. to be, uh, you know, different kind of storytelling. And it, in their structure, in their execution. In yeah, their ambition. Yeah. yeah. In their ambition, you know, mm -hmm. and in a creativity and an, and an openness and, 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 and there's a kind of mystical element. There's, you know, like that kind of South American magical realism, you know, there's mm -hmm. all of these beautiful things that we have access to through Irish language. And I think that we shouldn't, you know, the problem is we, we have one panel which is conducted through Irish about opportunities for Irish language um, screenwriters. But I think that's probably um, a ghetto. You know, we probably should have that mm. broadened out a lot, but it's uh, that's down. That's my fault because, you know, I have no more than the Kibla Fuckel, you know, but I do yeah, but, understand that mm. it's, a, it's a massive opportunity mm. for us. And it's in a really not just like, oh, we should fund it to protect our culture and our heritage, but we should fund it because there are ways of telling stories in Irish that are unique and interesting mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that we can harness that because what we all want is the same, different. And in the Irish language films, we have, you know, the same, but in a completely new yeah. twist. And I think that's something we really, it's actually your Sean O'Malley, who mm -hmm. is uh, moderating that panel. Brilliant. He's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So I think though, because it's something that we talked about that idea, you know, of, of the advantage of Irish language. Like it is something hopefully that will come through in the other panels, like what producers are looking for is another panel that we have, you know, and if producers are, are looking for Irish language stories, then, yeah. you know, it has the potential at least not to be completely ghettoized. We'll, we'll, <laughs> um, we'll jump into the uh, schedule a little bit and, and the, the program, but maybe just to start, but just a bit, bit more background on yourselves and kind of. I do, I do have to say one thing, and I'll be killed if I don't. I, why I started this and, and first approached Mary-Kate Flanagan to, to do this festival with me, and Mary-Kate is amazing. And, and the problem with working with amazing people is that everyone else wants to work with them as well. And so I was, um, the idea was this festival was going to happen in an in-person event, um, and it was going to happen, on I think, in March in, in Griff's campus. And... It, COVID and we're going, no, by March, everything will be fine. It'll be grand. It'll be grand. It'll never last that long. And then uh, it was coming up to Christmas and the numbers were going down. Everything was fine. And then we had the, everything went, you know, we all know what happened to Christmas. And so it was, I kind of froze. I was like, I, I didn't know. I was in this limbo. Are we going to do it? Or are we not? And I just, sort of, like an ostrich, I put my head in the sand. And uh, Mary Kate then, you know, was having huge success in her own writing career and became too busy. Um, so I do want to acknowledge like the, the huge contribution from Mary Kate O'Flanagan and, um, you know, and then I said to her later on, it's going to, will we do it or will we not? And, you know, she was actually working on, you know, projects in Hollywood and stuff like that and was far too busy to be working on this. But she's actually a huge part of this festival as well. She'll be doing a really important workshop and uh, and uh, I think maybe doing some of the interviews as well. So I don't, I don't want to say any more without acknowledging the huge contribution she's given. And, and in further years, uh, I, I'm sure that she'll be back on board so I, I i feel better having said that very, very uh, <laughs> round of applause sound effect steve there yeah uh, please no, do. mary please kate do. is fantastic and has yeah. worked with us numerous times yeah. um, amazing creative person um so t kind of walk us through it what can people expect a virtual knees up <laughs> great insight into the world of screenwriting and i mean like probably the, the best thing is is to walk through the um walk through the schedule isn't it really because that's the manifestation of all of the things that we think are yeah. interesting and important to talk about isn't it in in terms of what people can expect it's really useful information you know not waffle not things that are nice to say not oh this is cool to talk about films like i have no patience for any of that 
I'm busy. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, what I need is really useful information for my job. Deadlines, practical information, how to get stuff off. That's, stuff that, off that's what people want. That's yeah, what yeah. people need. And that's yeah. what I need. And I, like if I wanted to go to an event, I want to go there and I want people to tell me how they made a living doing this, you know, in, in really practical ways. And, and the whole festival appeared around giving writers and aspiring writers really useful information so they can professionalize their careers. And Daniel, from a producer's point of view, kind of what hole are you trying to fill there with the program? Really, it's to make connections between producers and writers, I think is really important. Like, you know, our, our tagline is it all starts with the script and the script. You can't do anything with the script until you attach a producer and producers don't write scripts and screenwriters generally don't produce um, produce scripts into films. So it's really getting developing that symbiotic relationship between producers and screenwriters for me is really important and creating opportunities as well. And for me, the idea like. I think that there is among certain quarters in our industry, there is this sort of us and them mentality like, oh, well, writers never get paid and writers only make this much a year. Well, like producers make sweet F all as well. You know, and we're all doing this on a values basis that this is something that we believe in. And, um, you know, there is a very small handful of producers who are making mega bucks yeah. in, in Ireland and probably, you know, around the world. It's like a teenage disco, really, isn't it? I mean... It's very hard You're to dancing. get somebody from You're the group. <laughs> but one, but when some people actually venture out of the group together, it's like yeah, well, incredible. I, I had a really interesting <laughs> experience in that I, I was coordinating a course with Screen Skills Ireland, and a producer came in to talk um, about, and the, the whole thing was about the, the 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 funding, you know, the tax tax grant and all that stuff. And the producer came in. And I didn't know this at all. And it completely changed. It made me a little bit soft hearted towards producers, which is that for an independent producer uh, working on a project in order to get the tax break, you have to take all liability. Personally, personally. personal liability. Per, for, so if, there's, if they go back, the auditors and they find, you know, Johnny from whatever was down as a freelancer, but actually should have been whatever, P-A-Y-E. Yeah. They can take your house. They can come back and take your house your own family home, like you, a producer, an independent producer puts their absolute like existence on the line to make a film. And, and like, that really shocked me, you know, because and there he was saying, you know, and then people are ringing them up going, you know, when will I get paid? And, you know, they're sweating bullets, you know, <laughs> yeah. am I going to be out in the street? And I, I think that's something that people don't know. I certainly didn't know it. And it was an eye opener for me. And I did have a lot more. I felt like writers and producers are more in it together. From that, I realized that we were both taking a risk, that we were both devoting, you know, time and energy into this creative project out of the love of storytelling. And we were, we were both taking a massive risk. And, and I mean, I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Like there is sort of at the heart of a film, there is that authorship cohort. Those people who don't make the film, but they will it into being, mm. you know, and those are the people who put it, who are going to put the sweat and they're going to put, you know, the love and the fear and probably their own personal money on the line and their own time on the line to make to make it possible to make it happen, you know, and probably that that sort of that cohort is the producer, the writer and director. Most of the time. Mm. You know, like sometimes you'll have key like key um, cast will come on board. And they might be really pushing this forward or you might have like a key member of crew who's very well known and they might be driving it forward. But usually in the majority of cases, there is a small group of people 
who are literally willing this project into being and you know it's producers you know it's writers and it's directors i, I heard it said about the i can't remember who it was um, but about the uk film industry um that a lot of people go around pretending that they're making a film you know, and if they can convince enough people that they are actually making a film, then they make a film. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's actually here that's even more the case. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Argo, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah. Without the storyboards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's jump into it. Maybe talk us through the, the program. Yeah, I mean, we're we're starting with the opening with a really interesting one, uh, which is the the I had you you had me at hello, and the other ones aren't really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting in that it's different <laughs> to the other events. So it's a a writers meet producers. So the idea there is very much exactly what we we're talking about: getting people in a room, virtual room together, and uh, get writers. Uh, like facilitating writers to meet producers and then producers are always looking for new writing talent. Uh, so know? what's important about it is that we, it's part of the symbiotic thing is that producers, you meet producers and they're like desperate, desperate to meet a good writer. They're mm -hmm. like, where are all the writers? Where are all the great stories? You know, they really want to meet them. And then you meet writers and they're like, how do I, how do I get someone to read my script? And it's this really weird disconnect. And so um, what we have done is that we've, We've gotten read like some of the best production companies in Ireland, and this we have Treasure. Uh, we have both Sullivan Productions, who used to be World Two Thousand. Um, we have um, Samson. Samson, um, yeah, we have McDarrah uh, Kelleher's company. Uh, yeah, Wild yeah, Atlantic. Wild Atlantic. We have Cowtown, Blinder, and Marmalade as well. Yeah, yeah. and you know we may even have more on board by then, but there's certainly you know really serious filmmakers there, and we have promised them. We're going to give them the best writing talent we can. So we're going to, you know, select and curate 10 writers we think are like doing amazing work. So for them, they get to meet, for the producers, they get to meet the thing that they're looking for. It's a really great, you know, undiscovered talent out there. And for, for those writers, they get to meet with people who can actually realize their projects. So I think that it's a really important event to do. Brilliant. It's such a no-brainer. And like, thank you guys for doing this. It's like, you're filling a hole that really should be, you know, uh, like it's like, why haven't we been doing this all well, along? On, on the program, uh, we say that this is an event that we want to do bi-monthly. Wow. So not just for the festival. This should be something yeah. that happens every two this months. Is, yeah, yeah. yeah. I brilliant. mean, and like it's been a case of, of pushing open doors with this festival. You know, like it really is something that we should have been doing, you know, years ago. So yeah. it has been like it's been a joy to organize because but the wind has been behind us yeah. all the way. You ring up people and you're, you're like, like, yeah, 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 I'd love to do that. That sounds really interesting. Oh. Is there someone not doing that already? No, no, really? OK. And as a writer who's like my most experience is like, no, no, yeah. <laughs> to do something where like 99 percent of the time people are saying, yes, you know, brilliant. Uh, it's really you feel, you know, to get a little bit kind of hippy dippy about it. You feel like the universe wants it to happen. Yeah. You know, it feels like we're just, you know, midwifing this into creation rather than, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than I have done anything or Dan has done anything more that this wants to happen mm. and we are facilitating it, which is because it, it, the only reason this can happen is because of other people giving their time, giving their skills, giving their experience. And like we can't create a festival by ourselves. Mm. It, it takes the industry would be very interesting. It would be very limited. And so the like <laughs> it would not be very useful information. Welcome to my screenplay <laughs> festival. So it's it's the community who is making the film festival. We're just kind mm. of 
putting things in order. Yeah. Essentially, what we've done is we basically put a timeline uh, like mm. on things and a structure. Yeah. Because everything else is out there. You know, we've just pulled it all together in one place. These lads, you're like great football managers, just like doing the obvious, picking the players and sending them out to play. It's not that a good, simple, lads. Not a good, not a good analogy at the moment. So maybe go through kind of some of the other interesting people that will be there as well and what they'll be doing in accordance with the festival. Well, one thing I firmly believe is that they are all interesting people. And, and this idea of a hierarchy um, of interesting people, I, I think, is, is, is a mistake. Yeah. Um, and so some of the people I'm really excited, one of the panels I think is particularly, well, I, I like, I think they're all brilliant. I'm really excited about the animation panel. Um, so uh, Lena Byrne um, is going to be on that. She has her new production company, So You Entertainment. And, and Lena is the nicest person in Ireland. And so we've had her and Richie Conroy, Nuria Blanco from Cartoon Saloon, uh, Richie Conroy, who everybody knows works on, you know, on everything. Uh, but animation, he's brilliant. And uh, we have Dee Roycroft, who is, uh, you know, really uh, good uh, script writer and script editor. And that um, panel is on, uh, it's moderated by a brilliant writer and actor, uh, Jodie O'Neill. And I just think they're just the nicest people. They're so knowledgeable. They're so experienced. And they're talking about the one industry in Ireland that is competing at an international level. I mean, animation in Ireland is as good as anyone else. I think probably Don Bluth brought Hollywood here. And, you know, the likes of Cartoon Saloon, Folder, Brown Bag, they're knocking it out of the park. Jam, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, all of these, we are absolutely at the races with mm -hmm. animation. So mm -hmm. I think while we, you might see that as like a side thing, actually, if we were to look at it, you know, with clear eyes, animation is probably our biggest industry in film and TV. Yeah, here, I so. mean, if we were to look for a blueprint on how, it, mm -hmm. you know, how it should be done, there's a pretty good pretty good guide there in, in animation. So I think that that's going to be a really interesting panel. And I think there's opportunities for Irish screenwriters to, to, you know, who might be working in other areas to consider, OK, what opportunities are there for me already in animation? So I think that that's a really important one. Mm. Another one along that along that vein is the Ready Writer one. Mm. So that's writing for video games. Yeah, Loving the names, guys. <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> What's the animation one? Oh, animate this. Yeah. <laughs> but the like similar to animation, I mean, games, games is worth more in the North American market. Games is worth more than than film and TV put together. Film and sports and sports. Yeah. Mm. Sports is obviously huge money. Yeah. And it's the basis for half of TV as well. <laughs> but I mean, it is massive. Yeah. You know, and obviously those stories, the, the things that enthrall people in a computer game is the stories and they have to be written by someone, mm. you know, and mm. screenwriters are the perfect people to do, you know, to do that. So in a similar way to the animation, I think that this is a huge area for growth. And again, we've got a really good panel on that one. So we've got um, Owen we've, Meekin, Owen Meekin, Basil yeah. Lim, um, Eve Golden Woods. We got Bre uh, Brenda Romero mm. and Dave McCabe. Dave McCabe. Yeah, and then that's being um, moderated by Owen McGeekin, isn't it? Owen Meekin, yeah, yeah, yeah. And these are all like you know games writers, games designers. Um, lecturers in, in TUI Dublin who teach on the, the games course and they, they have contacts with that. companies like Larian who, you know, wrote, uh, made Divinity Original Sin, which, you know, massive hit. Um, and I think that the thing that's really interesting about writing for games is it's a completely different way of writing. You know, it's branching mm -hmm. narratives. And, and I think that's, that's a, like, I, I, I tried to write some branching narratives and it's a completely <laughs> different way of thinking. And so it's and, like a different, like six outcomes for one scenario. Exactly. Okay. So everything kind yeah. of, what, what you've got to do is you've got to start off with a point 
and then it goes, you know, each decision leads to, you know, a, a range of options. So you have to be really careful because obviously with chaos math, you can you can go way out. So you have to start bringing them in again without <laughs> people noticing. So you're making a kind of diamond shape where you're starting off at a point and the options are going out or like a butcher's pencil. And then at some point you don't notice the parameters have narrowed and yeah. then you're, you're back to the one point because you have to have a starting and end. You can't create infinity. So that's a really interesting skill. Uh, to learn. And I think um, I think that this panel is starting to try to point to opportunities in that area. And just, you know, writers who might be doing well in other areas, you know, this could be the future. I think when VR comes in in a big way, I've tried VR and I was completely addicted immediately, you know, just mm. immediately. I never want to come out of this. And, uh, and I think if we can, because that immersive experience, that seamless stream, VR does it even better than the cinema. So if if that it could be 20 years from now. That's how we experience all of our stories. Mm. So learning how to tell stories and branching narr narratives and learning how to, you know, um, just even begin now at the start of this, what might be this massive gold rush. It'd be like buying Bitcoin in 2010. You know, <laughs> it's a really good idea. <laughs> so I think, it, you know, 10 years from now, this might be a festival, which is all games writers mm. and, you know, a little niche uh, panel on you know writing linear stories where it's like oh yeah that's interesting yeah, remember when we used to do that yeah, yeah. so the, you yeah. know these are interesting ideas mm. yeah. yeah yeah and it's like we're not we're not like there's nothing magic about this like these are trends that are that are emerging like we're writing a new um a new film degree in griffith at the moment of screen media degree and we're looking at okay how do you teach screenwriting and gavin teaches screenwriting there as well and uh, we're looking at, OK, well, how are people doing it around the world? And we're looking at, say, North America, because still they have the jump on everyone when it comes to you know teaching and professionalizing our mm -hmm. industry. And uh, like a lot of the film programs now are looking into like are, have whole, not just whole modules, whole mm -hmm. semesters or whole years on branching narratives mm -hmm. like that. This is a huge, huge area for writers now is branching narratives. And, you know, the, the execution of that really is in video games. Something like The Last of Us, which, mm. you know, this really, really detailed, like, you know, like a, a Netflix 10 part series, you know, like just really incredibly in-depth storytelling, you know, and, and that's hugely popular because of that. And people are attracted to that. So there's more funding for those kind of stories. So games are becoming more and more storytelling focused. Uh, and I, and less that's what like selling units as well. It's the storytelling, right? It's the mm. storytelling. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I think there's no doubt that that's a massive future, you know, and we'd be mad you know, not to include it. And uh, like the Irish, like the animation, these are like, they seem like little windows, but mm. they're little windows into whole universes. Mm. Yeah. One of the ones I'm excited about is the documentary panel. Maybe tell us a bit about that. Yeah, that's, I suppose, more my love child being a documentary producer. Um, but yeah, the, the idea of like going to different markets over the last however many years and um, say, especially on the continent, you know, they're very, very focused on say like the French, French editors always get a, get a writer credit for documentaries, you know, and this idea of authorship within documentary, um, it's something I suppose people think, oh, well, it's a documentary, it's real, you know, it's not, it, you know, there's no, you can't write it, it is an author, but it's obviously it's just one subjective point of view or a collection of subjective points of view. And so possibly screenwriters are discounting the opportunities that are there. Like if you look at the number of outputted hours of content in Ireland, like paid for content, commissioned content, factual knocks everything else out of the park. We produce way more factual and entertainment programs than we do anything else. 
Right. I mean, surely because the line is being blurred between what's factual and what's, you know, narrative now as well. It's more it, like it. Yeah, well, there was a white. There is a market for that. I factual mean, has narratives. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but like, yeah, but yeah. You, you know, there's that I know it's journalistic integrity angle. But what's what I, written, but yeah, what I mean yeah. is, is that it's shaped and it, the the truth it's, is manipulated. It's, it's always Whether we been like shaped. to admit it or not. It's always you know? been shaped. You know, it, it's it's it. There's no such thing as as you know as a true documentary or like absolute truth in a documentary. So it, like, I think probably you have to accept that premise when you're going into making it. And if screenwriters realize that, then we can show you that there are huge amounts of, of opportunities for writers. So like when Gavin and I actually started, um, Gavin actually answered a personal ad. And that's how I met him. <laughs> On Craigslist. <laughs> right. I'm afraid you need We were looking for. We Gemini were, 37 <laughs> seeks. Loves documentaries and long walks in the rain. Um, no, we, we were, you know, we put it on it because we were looking for people to work, you know, to help us with development and some projects. And it was really producers. We were thinking Gavin, you know, thinking, yeah, outside the box as he does sort of contacts and goes, I'm a writer. And you're, you know, do you want to, you know, do you want to have a chat? And so Gavin came in to talk to us and, um, you know, we got on really well. And then you started Gavin helping us on one of our doc projects. And, um, so it's a, it's a doc that has lots of dramatic elements in it. Like it has dramatic vignettes as we call them which you know you can read dramatic reconstruction which is a dirty word you know? but um so we needed you know we needed someone to help us like someone to bounce it off and someone to help us put some more objective to put, help us put a structure on that and so you know we we're saying gavin couldn't you can you help us sort of write that structure and I suppose we were there for like, you know, a long afternoon and you sort of left, you said you left and your brain was sort of hurting. You're just like, I don't really understand how the writer fits in. You're like the story's already there. It's happened. How does this, what do you need a writer for? It's already written. It's like, well, we need to dramatize it, you know, like these things happen, but mm -hmm. we need to put a structure on it. You know, we need to feed the audience the information in a sequence that, you know, is most dramatic. We need to emphasize the right things and we need to do a lot of writing to do that so really the genesis for that idea came probably from that session mm. for me you know and so ah my brain is like chapped lips ah inception <laughs> and, and if <laughs> if if this panel had happened two weeks before i would handle that meeting much better yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> but like you when you know when you when you're before an actual before a a film or a project gets made there is a huge amount of written material mm. that has to be written by someone you know, and then that written material forms the basis of pitching because like I was saying earlier, it's much cheaper to write it on paper than it is to get a whole crew and cast there and put cameras in front they of it. They spiral out of control as well, can't they? I yeah. Mean, you need some structure. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You need a plan, you know, and all of this has to be written down. And like there are treatments to write. There are outlines. There are pitch documents. You know, there are voiceover scripts. There are like there's a myriad of things that need to be written and all of those things. Why not have screenwriters writing? Like usually it's producers writing. You know, like mm. as a producer, I'd love to have a writer writing those, mm. you know, because, well, the control freak in me would probably say, no, no, you should keep it closer. But, you know, you're going to add much more creative flourish. You know, a screenwriter is going to bring so much to that. And so really it's this panel, the, the writing for real panel, the documentary panel. It's really about that. You know, those writing opportunities that, that are there that, you know, that screenwriters don't appreciate. Those and opportunities and when there. you strip it all back, it's all storytelling. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you yeah. strip it all back. So so we have, you know, if you are writing short stories, getting published in The Singing Fly, you have the storytelling instincts that translate to theatre. 
that translate to novels, that translate to screenplays, that translate to docs. And it, they are different disciplines. Mm -hmm. And if you, you know, maybe don't have a bit of training in that discipline, you'll come out of a meeting like I come, <laughs> came out of it with your head on fire and it will seem alien, but actually fundamentally, what we're, you know, what you need to do is you need to engage an audience. You need to stimulate dopamine. You need to stimulate endorphins. You need to stimulate oxytocin. You need to stimulate cortisol and adrenaline. <laughs> but really, that's mm. what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what totally, we're doing. Yeah, yeah. It is it is a, an emotional, uh, hormonal kind of hypnosis. That, Anthropological. No, but it's, I, I really believe <laughs> yeah. that. Like the, Respect the, the screenplay. The well, it is. It's a, it's a respectful <laughs> manipulation. Yeah, yeah. You know, totally. That's what we do. By engaging people emotionally. And that story does that. Story engages people emotionally. That's what's amazing about it. And it takes people on a journey. So if you stand and you look at somebody going around on a roller coaster, it's not very interesting. Mm -hmm. But if you're on the roller coaster, then it's, it's this thrill. And story can take people and put them on the roller coaster. And they have that wild experience. And, and that's, you know, whether it's in games, whether it's in animation, whether it's doc, whether it's in TV and film, or any of that kind of thing, the skills of the storyteller. And that's are, are really like you see it in the pandemic. We all turned to stories. We turned to Tiger King. We turned to the Queen's Gambit. We, you know, we, we needed story to survive. And, and, um, and I think that that's what screenwriters do. You know, we're part of, we're, we're part of that community of storytellers. And I think because storytelling is so highly valued, I think it's bizarre that screenwriters are those highly, seeing as that's our job, is telling stories. And I think we need to kind of remind screenwriters, you know, that your work is really central to the film and tv industry because without the story there's nothing it all starts with the script but people need to recognize that they need to adapt in order to earn money in, in this new landscape mm -hmm. of making content mm -hmm. right i mean surely you know there, there will be some kind of skeptical writers who go i know what i'm doing i've been doing this for x amount of years or whatever but they need to be retraining we all need to be retraining right this is part of that I haven't met any of those skeptical writers. No? No, yeah. my experience. There may be a couple of know-it-alls, frankly, you know, who are like, well, I've, I, I write Well, they can know all they want and get paid nothing. <laughs> you know, I mean, like... and maybe they are making a living doing what they're doing, and that's fine, great fair play to them. I, my experience coming into, and again, like people be going, who are you? You know, I'm very much a Johnny Come Lady. You know what I mean? There's people out there with huge, much more experience, much more talent than I have, and that's not, you know, that's neither here nor there, really. But my experience of people in this industry is people are sound mm. and they want to they want to learn and they're humble and they're totally up for it. I haven't come across, you know, I, I had I, you know, I, I heard about this idea of people with massive egos and all that. kind of stuff. I haven't met them. Mm -hmm. People I've met have been like yourselves, you know, just lovely people who are love of story and. And that kind of thing. I, I don't, I've met these people that I, I've heard about, you know. What, yeah, what is this alien those. race you speak mm. of? Yeah, the Jabberwocky. So my experience has been amazing. The people I've met have been like the nicest people I've met my whole life has been in this industry. And they all want to make work. Mm. They all know, everybody work. wants to make work. Everyone just wants to get paid a reasonable amount to do that. Mm. You know, we all want to get paid for doing what we want to do. You mm. know, what gets us up in the morning, what gets us excited, what gets mm. us passionate about talking to other people and communicating through story. So and that really, like, that's what this is about. It's creating those opportunities so everybody can link up with everyone else they need to work with. And so it's not for... Do the things you want to do. You know, it's not for fame or fortune. You know what I mean? If it's, if it's the average industrial wage, <laughs> that would be amazing. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Just yeah, enough yeah. to raise a family, yeah, you know, yeah. or, you know, pay your rent, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, We're yeah. not asking for, you know, whatever the 
with the big mansions and you know, um, MTV cribs. No, whatever. that'll come. <laughs> uh, you have a couple of amazing one-on-one conversations. Maybe just tell us about those. So yes, um, that's um, that's just pure brass neck. You know, to be <laughs> honest, um, I I, I uh, approached Stuart Carlin's uh, agent just on a, like I have an IMDb Pro account, and I, I found his agent, and I and I said, would Stuart be interested in this? You know. Fully expectant to be told to take it, take a, a flying jump. Anyway, Love Hate, I think it's the greatest Irish TV series ever made. I, I, I don't know if there's any anything close to it. I think it's amazing, and 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 uh, you know he won the IFTAS for best writer five years in a row. You know, he's like the dubs. And it still holds up. Like <laughs> it still holds up. It's one still of those amazing. shows you go back and I I went back and watched it recently. Kind of half expecting to be maybe, you know, it had a was tarnished or you know it's lean. Yeah. yeah. It's adult, lasted because it's a great story. Yeah. It's as good you as know? The Wire, you know, like yeah. it's it's tremendous. And and it's from here, you know, and uh, he went on then, of course, to do the Alien, Alienist, as I said earlier, the sequel there. And and that's because and, and anyway, he said, yes, I'll do it. And the, the initial idea that I pitched him was that he would do a writer's room. And what they would do is we get 10 writers in the room and he would they would break episode one, season six of Love, Hate. You know, like, you know, the masterclass with Aaron Sorkin or whatever, you know, where they do the West Wing, the next series, where it's, the idea was you, you would get 10 writers, Stuart Carlin would, would run the room and they would break the story for, for episode one, season six of Love, Hate, which I thought was just this amazing idea. And he was like, I'd love to do that. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, it, like just this event alone is, is worth doing. And um, COVID happened and, you know, he rightly said, look, this isn't going to work on Zoom. You know what I mean? Which is, he's a hundred percent right. And so I said, we said, oh, we'll come back. And so when we came back in the non-line way, I said, look, would you be interested in doing an in-conversation? And he, he was like, yeah, Brad. So I, I, I had a, a chat with him for an hour and a half. And uh, we were, you know, it was like the interview itself. And what, it's just, this is a man who is just lives, breathes, it sleeps screenwriting. Like he's just such a professional. You know what I mean? He's just so well taught in his discipline. You know, and it, it's all about the craft. It's all about the work and the work ethic. And he's just an incredibly hardworking screenwriter and um, really down to earth and really sound. So he agreed to do it. So I said, um, we better, you know, we could, let's, why not ask more people? <laughs> Maybe they'll say yes. <laughs> so we asked uh, Roger Doyle, who uh, I, I remember seeing The Family in the 90s, or Family, that Channel 4 um, series, I think it was RT Channel 4, maybe, or RT BBC. And uh, anyway, so just, left a massive impression on me. And uh, I loved Roddy Doyle growing up uh, as a writer, but I loved that. And then Rosie came out and everything that we asked Roddy and he said he'd do it. Because one of the things I'm really interested in doing is finding a way to make that connection between uh, writers and other disciplines moving into screenwriting. And Roddy Doyle, you know, has has succeeded in every writing discipline. <laughs> he's just like my daughter, like Roddy Doyle. Oh, yeah, I love his children's books. So for him, he's a children's author. You know, I grew up with the Barrytown stuff. I remember reading Paula Spencer, the sequel to the woman who walked into doors and weeping, you know, and then he's, he's written plays and then screenplays. And he's been, all of them have been amazing. So here's somebody who can t- speak to um, people who are successful in other writing disciplines. And go, look, these are the differences. These are how I moved from, you know, novel to screenplay. And these, you know, and, and I think, again, another hardworking writer. And then um, after that, we had, you know, two middle-aged white men, which wasn't a good look. So <laughs> I had already emailed Sharon Horgan and other people and Lisa McGee and um, uh, other people. And we managed and, and Kate O'Reardon. And we were lucky Kate O'Reardon 
We wrote some other, came back and she was, yeah, absolutely. So we were delighted. And then uh, couldn't get through to Lisa McGee for whatever reason. And then uh, through, through a contact of a contact, we got through and obviously my emails hadn't been getting there and she said she'd do it. So we said, wow, look, we've got, we've got Kate O'Reardon from some other, we've got Lisa McGee, obviously Derry Girls and all that, uh, Roddy Doyle and Stuart Carroll and Muppet. It just, you know, I mean, we, we'd love to have, you know, Peter Foote would be great to have, you know, Sharon Horgan would be great, but I mean, I, I feel blessed. Yeah. Well, I think what's great about it as well is like you have two, you have in, like in Stuart Carolyn and Roddy Doyle, you have two really well-established uh, writers there and although like both Kate O'Reardon and Lisa McGee obviously you have a world of writing credits behind them they're only getting recognised now so it's great to see that that recognition now is coming through more in the general public I suppose among writers and among sort of practitioners I, d- I don't know if screenwriters are ever recognised in the general public really I mean like if you like Lisa McGee like I remember watching London Irish hmm. and it's just such a brilliant show you know and that's a long time ago. I mean, I don't know, was that the early 2000s or something like that? That's a, it's a tremendous yeah. show, you know, and I, I think like she's had a hugely successful career. I think she's my age and like she's just had an incredibly successful career and Kate O'Reardon and Lisa McGee before working in film TV was doing well in theatre and the same with Kate O'Reardon, you know, novelist and all that. So I, I, I don't know. I think that, that the four of them have all, you know, from the off just been incredibly successful at mm. what they do. What, but I think Maybe there's a bit of sexism in that the, the men are more name recognition than the women. I, I don't know, but certainly they're, they're both equally, or the four writers for me, I think, are equally accomplished, you know. In, oh, in, yeah, in their, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, probably Roddy is more accomplished than the others in, in sort of in other forms. Oh, no, 100%. You know, like yeah, say, in, in, you know, in, in his novels and short stories. But I remember being at a, um, a film festival and John Connors won an award for Best Actor or whatever. And uh, he came up and collected it and he was saying, I don't know how you, how like you can win, you know, I don't know, I didn't know this was a competition, you know, <laughs> and I think maybe that's maybe the same with screenwriters. Yeah. I don't know if there's a league table or there's a competition, like we're all, you know, we're all writers and, and I think that's a, a fellowship. It's that contradictory thing, like overnight lifetime success. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so how can writers engage with the festival? I know you're, so you're launching this week. Um, I know listeners are going to be very excited about this and kind of wanting to uh, get on board. So what can they do? So uh, the events are like preposterously free. That's <laughs> ridiculous. Ridiculously <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> I, I We sort of put the program together and it's like, we really should be charging for this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ludicrous. And like we, yeah. we normally, like when something is free, you plaster free all over it, you know, yeah. but we haven't because we're afraid it makes it look cheap. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it, it's actually like every event is massive value. Um, and so it's incredibly valuable, I think, is the important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's incredibly valuable. The tickets. So the tickets are you, you register for tickets. So it's free with ticketed. Um, you all of the information is on the website. Um, www.disf.ie. Um, I made a website. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> and so um, you can go online and you can, you can, um, all the program is there and there's contacts and there's, you can register for tickets there. What we do want to do um, is I want to, and I've talked to different charities about it. We want to link the, each event with a different charity and go, look, what do you think this ticket was worth to you? Give that money to this charity. So, uh, so far we've had Laura Lynn, uh, Fighting Words, jigsaw and um, so i have once i have the list of everybody i'm going to go look this event is free to you but why not pay it forward 
Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, and I think that's a really important thing to do because we are creating great value and why not do a good, you know, why not the people who are receiving energy in one direction that they couldn't pass it on? Because I think, I think it, it, it would be nice if, if people, I'm sure they will recognize, you know, that this is a great opportunity and mm. throw a fiver at Laurel Inn. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. And as well, like that's only, we've only been able to put together this really great program and we've only been able to host the festival because we've had some, we've had like two really great sponsors mm. who've, you know, who've really allowed myself and Gavin to work on this. Uh, and that's Griffith College, who's the venue sponsor and the main sponsor, and then Screen Skills Ireland, you know, mm. uh, and they are both been massively supportive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. been absolutely yeah. vital. It wouldn't it wouldn't exist without them. So yeah. we owe them a huge uh, debt of thanks. And you know, they are they're the two organisations that are allowing us to say to people, "Oh well, pay it forward," because yeah. they've yeah. already footed the bill. That that nothing is free. Everything has to be paid for. It's you know what I mean. You, the audience aren't paying for it, but it is being paid for. You know, but also the the third sponsor, you know, unofficial sponsor we have are the the speakers, yeah, who who are coming and giving their time for free. You know what I mean? So they they're you know I think the value they're giving is is, totally, is yeah, massive, ma massive, and yeah. as it needs to be emphasized. So they, I suppose, they are paying for it. Those Griffith College, you know, Screen Skills Ireland, and and our amazing speakers are, yeah. are paying for this festival for everyone else to get for free. Mm. Yeah, 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 totally. Just to kind of finish off, so we kind of touched on, you know, what what people aren't talking about. So what what are you hoping to get people talking about that they're not talking about through these events? My hope is that they, they talk about whatever they're talking about, but they stop doing it in rooms by themselves and they start doing it in rooms together. Simple as it is for me. Well, that's a really good answer. Um, <laughs> what, what, what do I hope people are talking <laughs> about? Um, yeah, I, for me, it's a kind of attitude shift. You know, and, and like my own journey was, I don't remember it. you know, <laughs> to like, and, and for years, you know, writing things and, and, and putting them in the bedside locker and, and, you know, thinking somebody was going to break into my house and find them and give me a Nobel Prize, you know, to, to, <laughs> to, you know, because, you know, I'm the secret genius, you know, this kind of thing and the fear. Of, of judgment and rejection and, and that journey is that and I think that's common to, to most writers uh, I've, I've learned anyway over the years to I remember I did the artist way um when I, about 10 years ago and and I started telling people I was a writer you know it was just this yeah you've come out of the it, cre it, creative it, closet it was yeah. a coming out it really was it really was a coming out you know and or maybe I don't know maybe that's a, a unfair thing to say maybe I'd be criticized for that but it felt that way whether that's true or not and and so now I'm like I, I want to be able to make a living as a writer you know what I mean and I think that there's kind of like there's this asher like you know when I make a living I mean it's good, allowed, you know. it's good enough yeah. you get to do it yeah. but like you'll always have to work another job you'll always have to you know do something else it's not a real career and so this is for me it's that next step it's this attitude of this is a real career we, we are doing a job that's important that's valuable that's valued by you know, everyone loves story. We're all, you know, we're all desperate for, for, you know, Netflix shows and all of that kind of stuff. So we are creating that content. And so for me, it's that kind of recognition that we are a valuable industry, you know, no more than the motor industry, no more than, you know, any other industry in Ireland. And we need to be supported. And while there is great support from Screen Ireland, you know, it, it's not that we get no support at all. Screen Skills Ireland do great things. I think, we need to go look to our screenwriters and go, how can we nurture 
are writers because it's a seed we can plant. You know, that could like that's a small acorn that could turn into an oak, you know, and, and I think I think and if also if writers can can maybe I think a writer is a director with low self-esteem, you know. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of that, you know. Yeah. And 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 I think if we can, you know, if we can kind of and maybe I'm, I just shouldn't be speaking for other screenwriters. Maybe that's not true. Maybe they disagree. But for me, maybe I'm a director with low self-esteem. And, and maybe there's something to be said for like, you know, we're, we're an equal, uh, we're equally filmmakers, as much as directors, as much as producers. You know, if that's a trinity, mm. you know, that the screenwriter isn't a junior partner mm. in that trinity. And I, I think this is festival is, has that, if we, what I want out of it is, is that a little bit more. It didn't even have to be said, but it, clearly it does. Yeah, maybe it yeah. doesn't. Maybe that's yeah. just a chip in my shoulder. I, no, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't no, know. No, I think that will resonate with. Okay. Okay. Um, I would ask because I can't let I can't let you both of you go without asking you this: How do both of you re react to rejection? <laughs> <laughs> with practice. <laughs> we ask. Every, we ask everybody. That comes on. I ask this of all my prey. Um, how do you how do you deal with it? Maybe in relation to kind of this, where there are a couple of knockbacks, apart from the very obvious pandemic knockback. knockback. Um, yeah, well, the pandemic knockback is probably a good example. You know, it just meant that like we we were really clear on what we wanted this festival to do between us. We we really knew, didn't we? So it didn't. Yeah. You know, sure, it wasn't wouldn't wasn't going to be as informal or the, the chemistry would be a bit harder to recreate if it's online but you know it's what are we really about in this festival and so how can we still do that in just a different medium you know so I don't know rejection for me is fine once you know that um, once you know what you really want to do because you'll just find another avenue of doing it you know and rejection rejection is only hard to take when it doesn't have feedback you know if you don't get like critical feedback so at least you can improve that's when rejection is hard but rejection is a part of life isn't it you know did you ever did you get to go out with every girl that you asked out <laughs> it, it hurt less when they gave feedback yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I suppose I have a, a longer answer for that I don't know if longer is worse but um, in terms of uh, I, I remember reading something and, and I've definitely kept it harsh that if you're not getting 99 rejections a year you're not applying for enough things and and I thought that, you know, that really inspired me, you know, like the, when I get the, 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 the PFO, um, I'm like, OK, that's one down, you know, and another one and another one and another one. So in logical terms, that's how I think in emotional terms, it's horrendous. You know, I spent a couple of days curled in the fetal position, you know, and that's rejection hurts, you know, and I think it does, you know, and, and I remember working in Fair City and you know, getting notes from the script editor and saying, like, no, none of this works, you know, and well, they'd be right, you know, but it hurts. Mm. And, and I think it's okay for me to acknowledge that rejection hurts and then take a bit of time and get over it, like my wounds, and then come back to it and go, okay, how do we make this better? And, and in terms of this, I know one of, the, one of the knockbacks we got was from the Arts Council. And so my application is really long. Application, my application to the Arts Council was, you know, um, in the film industry, it's overly you know or disproportionately uh, focused on screenings and there's not enough kind of focus on screenwriters on the script it's all on the product not on the script and uh, so i said we want to rectify this and put this thing and there'll be public facing events and all of this kind of stuff and they were really nice and talked us through it but 
when they followed the checklist, there was, oh, there isn't enough focus on this in terms of screenings, you know, and so we can't give you the funding. And so be, because the way it skewed away, like because of the way it discounts screenwriters, we couldn't get the fund for a festival, which was the purpose of it was to stop discounting screenwriters. Yeah, yeah. So when we got the knockback, it was so frustrating and they were lovely about it. The people in the Arts Council were really nice and I'm not saying I mean, anything. They, they, people have to understand in these circumstances, they want to give you the money. Yeah. Mm. You know, there's never bias. There's never have it. enough money. It was, yeah, it's just yeah. like, it was just proof that of the need for this festival. Yeah. That, you know, they had put out a fund which was to help, you know, the film and TV industry and in the way they had structured it, screenwriters were written out. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And I think that was really interesting. And I think that proves, and I think I'm going to, I mean, I was advised by the Arts Council to invite them to this event mm. so that they could see what we're doing and maybe that will influence mm. their, you know, checkbox list next year. And we can apply. And then you can ask Mary Jane out the following year. <laughs> but, but, and <laughs> when I, I built my muscles up and I'm a big boy. But, but the rejection did, like it, it did, you know, it felt so you know, and it, I'm not, you know, I think they, they're doing a great job and all of that kind of stuff. But it, but it did, you know, it did knock me back because I, I just felt, you know, anytime you get a rejection, you, you question, am I doing this right? Am I the right person? Is this the right project? Am I wasting my time? All of these, you know, you know, the, the, the devil talks to you. Mm. Um, so that's natural. But, but luckily, actually, luckily, I had kind of let it go. And I rang Dan because he'd been involved and, you know, with Griffith, we're going to come on, be venue partners and, festival sponsors and that kind of stuff. And I said, look, well, we just put it off till next year. And and it was Dan who encouraged me. He said, look, let's just, just go for it. Yeah. Like, this is impossible. We don't have enough time. And you're like, let's do it. And and so I guess Fuck having if you for the knockback, you also need, you know, a believing mirror. Yeah. You need somebody who's like, we can do this. So as much as rejection is inevitable, it's it is much more crushing if there aren't a supportive community, if there isn't a supportive community mm -hmm. around you going, look, don't let that get you down. Keep going. Do the next thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's easier in team sports. Defeat is easier in team sports. And filmmaking is a team sport. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And you laugh, but we've already come up with the first panel uh, for next year's festival now. How do I deal with rejection? I'm glad that you've offered to chair it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, just one last quick one. Um, what platform are you going to be using? Online platform for for the classes and uh, Zoom so Zoom. it's all going through oh, Zoom going yeah because you know no one's got enough Zoom really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no I mean it's the easiest it's the easiest to use everybody's easy to use yeah. yeah. so yeah, obviously exactly. hopefully in person all going well next year do you yeah, think exactly. you'll keep some of the online elements I think so yeah I think it's one thing we've really learned from the pandemic everyone hasn't it mm -hmm. like we, we've realised that there are certain things like kind of one great reach. thing, yeah. yeah, like we have screenwriters who are based in Galway or based in, mm. in Cork or based in Limerick mm. or based in Donegal and mm. bloody Aran Islands, you mm. know, they could be in Tory, they could be in New York or Sydney or wherever mm -hmm. and they can come to the Dublin International Screenwriting yeah. Festival, yeah. you know, and so I think it would be madness not to, to keep something. Yeah. yeah, I think everything should be absolutely considered for to be blended because it just grants access in mm -hmm. ways, you know. It democratizes it mm -hmm. in a way that hasn't been. Yeah, and I, I mean, you can see that trend in Ireland moving away from sort of centres of production, that there's much more distributed production around the country. So, yeah. But you can't replace being in the room with somebody. Yeah, that's what we, that's why Very we nice. really wanted to get you in, so that we can have a proper chat, yeah. like mm -hmm. a real chat about this. You know? yeah. Yeah. Guys, thank you for organising this. We're so excited. We're very pleased to give us some sort of a plug, hopefully, <laughs> everyone <laughs> listening. You know, I, it's so exciting and it's it's so timely. So well done.
And we really appreciate you guys. You know, I've been listening to this rap chat since the very start. You know, I remember the first couple of interviews. I think the Mia Malarkey was the second one. I remember listening to that and really enjoying it. And I, I've enjoyed a lot of them over the years in Fergals and Carls. And, you know, there's been some, and like what you guys are doing here, I was looking before the start of it, I went back over all of the podcasts, 138, 139, something like that. And you guys have interviewed everybody. You, you know what I mean? So if I'm trying to get an education in the Irish film and uh, TV industry, I can go through the podcast and I can like I, one of my favorite ones was the Jill Beecher one. Uh, I thought she was brilliant. You know, I don't know anything about production design and suddenly I know loads. And here's mm -hmm. somebody who's explained who's worked with Tarantino, you know, and all of this kind of stuff on your show. It's 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 a great resource, you know, so well done, you guys. And the 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 um the, the Facebook page, you know, it's, a, it's huge. And all the classes. I took that Steve Cleary class. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, it was he's really an encyclopedia. Good. Yeah, that was crazy. I learned a huge amount from that yeah, class. It's that like literally being assaulted by a camera. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. everything. Well, yeah, Steve's yeah. great. Yeah, and we're really yeah. lucky. Thanks so much for that. Um, mm -hmm. Thanks so much for your kind words and thanks for coming on today. Um, we're really excited to see what you come up with. Great. Thanks for having us. Thanks, lads. in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.